welcome back, weary traveler, to Wayne's World. A trip inside the jungle of my mind that apparently is entertaining to you all. Now, I do appreciate each and every one of you, and I want to take this time to graciously thank you. I started this podcast on a whim. It was just talk stuff, you know, to to my friends and to other people and the first season, you know, we did three or four podcasts. It wasn't anything big. And then in the second season, I came back and I, honestly, I didn't think it would grow to the level it is now in just a few months. So I humbly, humbly thank each and every one of you. We're almost to the point where I am probably going to have to monetize this. So that's amazing. And um, I just ask that you keep coming back. Uh, if you have any suggestions or requests for certain topics, please DM me at the Wayne's World Instagram page, or you can go to the YouTube. We are almost to the point where we're going to start putting out videos. Uh, not quite yet, though. I, I, I think my first video is going to have to be something special, and I have something in mind for you. However, we'll uh, not discuss that now. I just, I didn't want to get into that. I just wanted to take the time to really thank you because I'm overwhelmed by the reactions I'm getting. So uh, I do appreciate that. And uh, this one is going to be a quick one. I know I always say that and sometimes they end up going half an hour or more. But really and truly and honestly, this is going to be a quick one. Now, this one is based on my series of paranormal stories. I shared specific stories close to my heart and events that happened in my life. And I've never purported that they were actual full-fledged paranormal. I can only tell you what I experienced. And I leave it in your hands to decide what it is or isn't. However, I know that I am not telling lies to you, right? I'm not embellishing or trying to exaggerate or, you know, over-explain. I mean, I'm giving you gospel, exactly what happened. And these things, while being scary, they're also deep-rooted. And, and so I want to take you back to the beginning of where the folklore and my lifelong passion for the paranormal uh, started. Just quickly. This is not going to be that podcast. That's coming up in a couple weeks where I'm going to get in deep into the folklore of Trinidad and Tobago. And, and we're actually probably going to be about an hour or even more. Maybe even a two-parter, depending on what we talk about. I don't want to... But I don't want you to feel like I'm just stretching you out. So it's going to be what it is. But in this particular situation, I had... Another experience, I should say. And this experience did occur on the island of Trinidad and Tobago. Now, to give you a little background, I was probably between 5th and 6th grade. So, I would say I was probably 10, 11, around that age. And I was taken down to the island in the middle of a custody battle. 
I'm just going to be transparent and honest with you. And uh, initially it was supposed to just be a week and it ended up being close to a half a year, a little bit more. And at one point, it was myself, my father, and uh, my sister. And we were staying with my relatives. And uh, one day I got up and my father and my sister weren't there. They had come back to America. And I was left there alone. Now I was with relatives, but I was still alone. I was submersed, submerged, immersed, and submerged in a culture that while I was familiar with it, it was also foreign to me because I grew up in America. So the culture was kind of spoon-fed to me, and it was also given to me in rose-colored glasses. Even though it's a beautiful place, it is somewhat a second-world country. So things aren't exactly like they are in America here. And I'll, I'll kind of get you a quick summary of what I mean by that. You know, we had times when the water would go out. I wasn't used to that. And when the water would go out, there was still water. It just came out of the tap brown or even black. So on those days, which seemed to happen every other day, again, this is in the 80s. So I don't want to sell a story like this is yesterday. This is the 80s. This is 30 years ago. But you would have to go to a pipe and fill up buckets. And I'm a 10-year-old. Remember that. So two five-gallon buckets full of water, pretty heavy. And uh, you go into a pipe and you're standing in line. You're in probably 78-degree weather, hot sun. And you're filling up buckets. I, I probably walked a mile and a half um, to get to the pipe. It's um, underground water. And then you walk a mile and a half back. And judging by the needs of the household, if it was just regular water and cooking and drinking, then you may have had to make two trips. But if you're talking about using the bathroom and washing and those type of things and also feeding uh, the animals we had, we had livestock. It wasn't a large place, but in a place like Trinidad, you, you uh, make use of the yard to feed yourself. So we would have not only fruits and vegetables growing and chives and seasonings, but we also had chickens, ducks, uh, a goat at one point, and even a pig at one point. But you would, I'm just giving you an idea of the rudimentary kind of rural living down there. And I, and, and, and I want you to imagine this through the eyes of a 10-year-old. We have two TV channels, um, dim lighting, uh, insects, bugs, lizards, everything you can imagine is crawling all over you. Get, you got to get used to things crawling on you because that's what happens in and on an island. And even though I was there with family, I spent a lot of time alone. I just, um, there wasn't a like of me by my cousins. Uh, they would often abuse me or um, beat me up, the older ones, and exclude me purposefully because they had a disdain for, me, for not necessarily me as an individual, but what they viewed as the success of my mother and my sisters and the family being in America, and they were stuck in Trinidad. So I, I ended up spending a lot of alone time. Now, there's one particular thing I used to do. I used to escape. 
I used to call it escape. And in the yard, you have a yard and then you have a very high fence around your yards. It was brick and then you would have a galvanized and wood gate that was locked um, to your yard because you want to protect your livestock and your food and those type of things. So on the opposite side of that was called the trace or an alleyway to kind of give your perspective. And it wasn't a road or anything. It was just grass. And it was uh, a place in the back uh, adjacent to a very large field. And on the other side of that field was mountains. Um, so I would go in the field. I, I, you know, you had to escape it. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of um, backbiting. There was a lot of uh, negative things said about my family to me as a child. And I, I'm not judging. You know, everyone goes through what they go through. But that's, you know, in, in foreign countries, they don't treat children very well. Children are, are viewed as a bother or as a liability, not an asset. Um, so uh, I spent a lot of alone time. I did have a couple uncles who did try to come spend time with me when they could, and I, I did appreciate that wholeheartedly. But again, I was left in a house with primarily females, and uh, they didn't have an understanding of, of, of a male in pre-adolescence and the things that he would need to go through and all of that. So to escape a tumultuous home life, and also a boring one, quite frankly, I mean, there really wasn't anything to do, um, in the house, but come in and go to sleep. So you, you found things to do. However, they were worried about me really being active in the street with other people because I was American. I didn't understand things and they were nervous and they thought people would beat me up or whatever, which they did, which they did, you know, um, not a punk or anything. It's just, you know, if you got 10 guys jumping on you, you're going to probably just take it and roll. Right. But, but again, it's not, not, I don't want you to think that this is a terrible thing. It's just normal, you know, kids growing up and stuff. So I would find things to do because I didn't have a lot of friends. So I would go out and just be my own friend. And so this trace was a particular place that I found solace in. And these were large fields and you had wheat and you had corn. And it, it, it wasn't anybody... No one, it wasn't farmland. It was weird enough. It was really open, unowned land, maybe even government land that people just planted stuff on. They had animals. They had all these things. So I would probably, if I was to guesstimate, I would probably say I, when I would come out of the backyard, the backyard was probably a quarter acre. And beyond, when you would come out to the trace, uh, that alleyway was maybe you know 20 feet wide. And then on the other side of it, there's this cornfield. And I mean, as far as the eye can see, and if you've ever celebrated Halloween and you've been to a corn maze, you can understand once you're in there, it's a different world. You don't see anything anymore and you can let your imagination go wild. So I would initially, each day I would go a little further because I was still a child. I was still a little scared, a little, little, little fraidy cat. And I'm going a little further and a little further and a little further until after a while, I'm, I'm deep in there, hours. I'm talking about hours. And each day I would try to get to the mountain. Now, the mountains were miles away. I would never get to that as a 10-year-old, never. There were other neighborhoods on the other side of these open fields, and I, I would never get that far. But these fields were miles. They, they, they were huge and vast, and multiple families grew things here. 
But for the most part, you, it was left alone. A lot of it was wild growth. And um, <laughs> the funny part is, Trinidad has a very high snake population. And you would think that you would see snakes in an area like that, but I never ran into a snake there. Now, I ran into a snake somewhere else, and that's going to come in a future paranormal story. But I, there was an opening probably about half a mile into the field. And it was in that opening, there was a tree. And this tree, I got to be honest with you, I, I don't even know the type. It, it's, 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 a, it's a foreign tree, so it's a different type. Uh, it wasn't a fruit-bearing tree. However, there were fruit-bearing trees around there that were growing wild. One was a tangerine tree. It was referred to as a putty gal tree. There were wild grapes, wild strawberries. Uh, you would find breadfruit, orange trees. And, uh, you, you can eat. You wouldn't starve. And I would go hang out there. Once my chores were done and no one really was looking for me, I'd go hang out there. And I would spend a lot of time there. Sometimes I'd fall asleep. Especially in the heat of the day, you'd kind of find a spot in the shade and just take a nap. But this was my solace. This was my solitude, my fortress of solitude. And it was where I would go and just think. I would draw. I would sing. I would cry. Whatever I needed to do. And then I would come back home, go to sleep, and get up, do my chores, and, and do it all over again until, you know, school time started. So one particular day, it was an overcast day. And overcast days are very ominous in a tropical environment. Because you don't know what's going to happen next. Is this just overcast? Is there going to be rain? Or are you going to see a hurricane? You have really, really bad weather. It was beautiful weather, but when it was bad, it was bad. It was batting down the hedges and hope the roof wouldn't fly off bad. So when you see overcast, you kind of, you, you, you take a double take. Um, but I'm a kid, and I didn't grow up there, so I didn't care. So I, I, I kept going, but because it was overcast, it cast, it was a different environment where this was under normal circumstances, a very vibrant, bright, joyful kid running through a field, laughing and giggling. This was a very dark, shadowy, brooding kind of thing. It was almost like it was dusk all day. The cloud cover was so thick, you can barely see the sun. You knew it was daylight. But it was very ominous, and, and I got this eerie and chilling feeling. Now, with that eerie and chilling feeling, normally that's telling you exit stage left, do an about face and run. However, you know, you're bored. So I keep going, I keep going. And I'm about maybe a few feet, maybe 20, 30 feet from my clearing, and I started hearing little hoots. Hoo. 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 And I would hear it from the left of me, and I would hear it from the right of me. And then it seemed like it was all around. It was multiple, like, hoo, 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 hoo. what is this? I'm looking at, are these frogs? I mean, I, I don't know what this is. And so, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trudging forward. I'm trudging forward. I'm trying to get to my fortress. Because I, I set this thing up, man. I got, I found a chair. Um, a little old umbrella that I fixed and, and uh, I had food caches there and, and everything, some toys. It, it was like a little home. It, I, I probably was in my child's mind planning to run away and live there. So I'm try I, I, 
in my mind, I got to get there. I can't go back because now I'm hearing the hooting behind me. So going back isn't an option because this thing, and it's not a, it's not a vocalized sound that an animal would make. It sounds like a human is making it. So at first I thought maybe they were kids or other people in there, but then when it started coming from all around, that really started to freak me out. So I just, in my mind, I said, I got to get to my tree. 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I started hearing rustling. And that's scary. When you hear rustling, like I, I'm hearing rustling. Or you're hearing people run through the, the bushes and all this. But I don't see anyone. And then I'm about two to three feet away from the clearing uh, to where I'm going to get to the clearing. And, and it seems like I just can't get to this clearing. I just can't. And I started getting confused. I, I didn't know where I was. I didn't recognize anything all of a sudden. It was almost like something was confusing my mind. And the hoots are so loud now. It's, it's almost deafening. Like it's right next to me, but I don't see anything. And then I stop. Because I just, I stop and I cover my ears. And I, I just can't take it. I got my ears closed and I got my eyes closed. And I, I, I'm, just, I'm just hoping it goes away. But just go away, just go away. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing that rustling. And it feels like something is running through the woods straight at me. And it sounds like the largest, biggest creature crashing through the woodland areas. And then right when it got to me, whew, it was like a big burst of wind. And then nothing. And then all the hooting stopped. Now, the strange part is I'm still seeing things through the corner of my eyes now. I'm looking to the left. I'm looking to the right. I'm spinning around. I'm spinning around. It's, it's, it's like there's a force swirling around me. Now, my grandmother was a left-handed person. Now, in Trinidad folklore and lore, left-handed per persons are normally protected from anything supernatural, but they also can see they're seers. They see things beyond what we can see normally. And she always said that I had to be careful when she was alive. Now, she died in 1980. So I was six years old when she passed away, going on seven. But I remember her intently because she was one of the most special people to ever grace my life. If you... You all have family that you feel may just tolerate you because of the bloodlines. But if you ever had that special family member, that grandmother, that big sister, that uncle, that person that took interest in you as an individual and just showered you with love, attention, and understanding, that's who she was. She cared for me so much. Even to this day, I still feel her presence as a protective spirit. And she always told me to be careful. And the, the Obia lady I told you about in a, pri in a previous uh, show, which uh, she's coming up on the next paranormal story. My grandmother actually stood up to her for me. And this was in Maryland. This is in the USA. And kept her away from me. But I say all that to say that she always told me to be careful because the supernatural were interested in me. Anything supernatural and, and people who were into that were always interested in me. 
And I can remember this. There was always these strange men or these strange women that would come around and they would have beads and potions and all these things. They always wanted to get me to go with them or spend time with me and my family would always, you know, no, 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 no. And so I, I recall all of this and I'm wondering what's going on. But I, I just tell them, something's telling me just get to the clearing, just get to the clearing because you can't go back. There's something back there. Now, once I get to the clearing, the clearing is a huge clearing. I can get out to, a, to the street and pretty much walk back home. So I know that if I get to this clearing, I get out of this water, I get out of this thing, I can, I can escape whatever this is, but I have to get to the clearing. So I run, 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 and then I just decide I'm going to run. So I just start barreling through, and I'm barreling, and then I trip. I mean, I know it sounds like a horror movie, but I did. I tripped, and I face in the dirt everything and get up, and as I get up, I stumble, and then I stumble out into the clearing. So I'm dirty at this point. I got mud. I got everything on. I'm kind of wiping my face, and when I look up, directly, and I mean, I'm not even talking about a foot away, directly in front of me is a horse. And the horse is just standing right in front of me, looking right at me. I still remember to this day every single detail of that horse. That horse, it was a white horse, and it had brown spots and because of that it kind of blended in with some of the dead grass now it was it had this dip in its back and, and a lot of horses or work horses had this dip in the back from years of carrying loads so I can see that. But the horse is in front of me, so I'm, I'm frozen kind of. I'm like, oh, there's a horse in front of me. And the horse goes to the side and looks at me. From like, through the left side. Turned its head to the right. And it's looking at me directly in my face. And it snaps, snorts. And it keeps shaking its head. For me to go towards the opening to where I can get to the street. And I'm wondering, why is it doing that? And it's, and then it starts to nudge me. Like, it starts to take its nose and push me. And so at that point, I tried to go back into the woods. And the thing, it grabbed me by its teeth. The, show, the um, sleeve of my shirt, it grabbed it. And pull me back, almost throwing me down the ground. And it kept nudging me, nudging me, nudging me to go back towards the street. And so I'm following the horse. I'm a 10-year-old. And it's pushing me and it's pushing me. And all of a sudden, the woots start again. Whoo, 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 whoo. And then it gets dark. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, this crowd, cloud cover came and it was dark. And the woots came and you can hear stuff moving around and you, the horse then looks and starts towards the grass. And it's wooting 
And it's almost like the horse is having a conversation with whatever unseen force it is. And it positions itself between me and the woods. While it's still nudging me to go. To go. Now, I follow. And I get out into the clearing. And when I get into the clearing, the horse stops. And so I stop and look at the horse. And the horse... Now, the wooting, when I got to the clearing, all the wooting stopped. The movement stopped everything. It just even got brighter and all of that. And I look at the horse, and the horse looks at me and kind of... And and this is amazing to me because I'm communicating with an animal. And then the horse turns around and walks back. So then I hear some kids playing. I turn my head. And then when I turn my head again, the horse is gone. I mean, this is a huge horse. I didn't turn my head, but for a second. And I turn around, and the horse is gone. So I start to go back to see if I can see where the horse went, because I'm thinking, I'm not thinking anything supernatural. I'm thinking, well, did it go in the woods? Where did the horse go? And all of a sudden, the wooting and the movement started again, so I stopped. I said, okay, this is, this is not my jam. I, I got out of there. It's time for me to go. So I walked down that that alley, got onto the main street, and walked back up towards my house. Now, this all seemed like this went on for just a few minutes. I get back in the house, and I get a spanking because I've been gone for seven hours. Seven hours. But it felt like a couple minutes. So somehow for seven hours, I was running around in these fields until I met this horse. Now, the funny thing is, after I got my spanking and, you know, everything, I'm, I'm, I had an uncle named Snowman, Lorimer Paul. And uh, he was one of the ones that would come by and talk to me. And he, he, he believed in the supernatural, but he didn't give into it. He was one of those manly men. You know, ah, whatever. So I sat down with him, and I was different. And he knew it. He, he understood who I was. He says, what's wrong? I said, nothing, uncle, nothing, nothing. And he looked at me, he said, they beat, somebody give you licks? That's, that's what a beating is in Trinidad. I said, yeah, I got some, but, you know, I don't, you know. And he didn't like for me to get a spanking because he felt like it was abuse, too. So we go out and we talk about it. We sit down, and he takes me out in the yard, and he, that's where he loved to be out in the yard, and we would pick fruit and sit down and talk and everything. He reminded me a lot of my father, actually. He looked like, it was his brother, so he looked alike. And I started telling him the story. And this look came over his face. And he got angry at first. He said, I told you not to go back in that trace. I said, I know, uncle, I know, I know. He said, but okay. He, he said, he listened to the story. I told him. Now, what he told me was that my experience wasn't new news to him. And I got to the point, this had happened to other people, and this is part of the folklore, and we'll get into what we think some of the activities were caused by in future podcasts. But what made him turn white as a ghost was when I told him about the horse 
And when I described this horse, I described it with detail that a 10-year-old shouldn't describe it with. Like I said, I can still remember the horse to this day. Now, again, this is pro- this is exact. This is 1986. So he gets really quiet, and then he turns around and puts his hand over his face. And as a child, I got very uncomfortable with any emotion or anything, so I just kind of was quiet because I'm seeing a grown-up crying. So when he regains his composure. He then sits down and he lets out this deep breath, (sighs) shakes his head a little bit. And he looks at me, he grabs me. And I thought, honestly, I thought I was going to get another spanking. I thought this was beating number whatever, but he just hugged me and he held me tighter than he ever held me. And he says, boy, you have no idea what just happened to you. I said, well, what happened, Uncle? He said, they were coming for you. I said, well, who are they? He said, they were coming for you. And they almost had you. They being supernatural beings. And he said, do you know who that horse, what that horse was? I said, no. Now, there's a legend in Trinidad about people who turn into animals. So that's what I thought he was talking about. Well, he said, no, that horse was your grandmother's horse. And that horse died when your grandmother died. So what you saw was your grandmother saving you the spirit of her put and manifested itself in the form of that horse. And whether it was possession, whether it was another, I I don't know. I'm just conveying to you what was told to me as a child. But he said that horse, look what that horse did. You saw that horse, that horse got you out of there, wouldn't let you go back in those woods and positioned itself between you and whatever evil forces were trying to bring you harm. And it made you get out there and get to safety and then disappeared. It was your grandmother. She didn't want, she never wanted us back there and she didn't want you back there because they perform obvious ceremonies in those fields and whenever supernatural ceremonies are done and performed it leaves residual evil energy in that area that attracts other beings and as a child whether it's supernatural or someone actually in the physical world doing supernatural ceremonies they tell you the blood of children and children are used in ceremonies because of their innocence. So whether they were real people or whether they were spirits, I don't know because I never saw them. All I can tell you is I heard, I felt it, and I saw the horse. And the horse saved my life. And I never saw it again. But here's another part of that story. That same day, the trace burned. That field burned. Now I'm not saying... 
it burned from supernatural causes. I'm not saying that my uncle didn't do it. I don't know who did it. But all I know is those woods were gone the next day. It was a pile of cinder and ashes. And I never saw that horse again. And I never went back out in the trace again. Even when I went back down to Trinidad as an adult, I would not go back there. Now, as always, this could have been all explainable. Could have really been an animal. Could have been an animal that was trained. I mean, animals were very close to people. People trained animals and, and did things. and Could have been all of that. Or it could have been paranormal. We don't know. But a little odd, don't you think? But as always, I leave it for you to make the decision. There's more to this story. And if you want to hear more, DM me. And maybe I'll do a part two. But the next story will go back to the witch doctor that came to America. And then after that, we'll get into the folklore of Trinidad and Tobago. As always, thank you for joining Wayne's World. Be careful when you leave the jungle, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, Bobby. Good night. <laughs>